Welcome. Glad that you're with us this morning and join us in the house of the Lord. And those of you joining us online as well, glad that you uh, have joined with us this morning. You know, before I get into the Word this morning, just a couple of, couple of quick things that, that have been going on maybe you'd be uh, interested in. You know, this last Wednesday night, um, Richard Hernandez uh, spoke at the, at the midweek service. And uh, yeah, I mean, I appreciated that. Yeah, yeah. At any rate, what happened was <clears throat> there was um, somebody in the family sent out a link so that people could join it online, people in his family. And so uh, due to circumstances that, that happen sometimes in families, Richard has a sister that he has never met before. And um, uh, so that link got to her. And so while she was at the gym Wednesday night running on a treadmill, she put on that, uh, that message. The, and she began to uh, just weep and cry. And uh, today, she's in our service and uh, has met Richard for the first time. Alma, where are you at? Right over here, Alma. Yeah. <laughs> Not something. I think we sang about it this morning about a story of a testimony, you know, and redemption and what God does. And there's other members of the family as well that, that, that uh, Richard's met this morning for the first time. And so isn't, isn't it a great what God does in restoring lives? Amen. This morning, um, uh, Pastor Adam, so that you know, Pastor Adam and Carrie, along with Joe and Elo Chaka, are in Albuquerque, New Mexico. And uh, the fourth anniversary of our campus there in, in New Mexico and their conference, they're called the Movement Conference, that's happening right now. And so exciting things happened. Friday night, they had a leadership meeting. And then Saturday night, uh, they had uh, Sister Carrie ministered the Word. That was last night. And today, Pastor Adam is speaking and ministering the Word. And uh, the report that I got back from Adam, he's saying, Dad, he says, the growth here is palatable. Something you can see. Good things are happening in Albuquerque. Somebody give God praise for that one. Amen. Amen. And you know... Wednesday night, I'm going to begin a new series ministering on uh, faith, how to build your faith, how to walk in faith, the, some basic um, uh, teaching that will happen over the next several weeks. And so feel free, join us. We'd love to have you. Seven o'clock, uh, we gather together for our midweek service. Uh, I don't want to uh, get into the Word yet without offering to you the opportunity to offer to God. And so uh, that you know, there's uh, information for you here. There's envelopes there in the back of your seat, giving boxes in the back that you can be a part of that. I, I just, I just uh, sometimes I'm amazed at what God does. And He does it, whether you know it or not, from your contributions. I mean, you stop and think about it. Each one of us doing our part. And how does Albuquerque happen like that? How, do, how, how does this conference go on like it does? How do, how do people get restored and, and, and brought into the house? I mean, over and over again, we see it. Your giving makes a difference in the world. Amen. One last thing is we have a passing to note uh, a dear friend of mine and um, uh, uh, Julie Robles' mother, 
Anita. Many of you might know her. She hasn't been in church for um, quite a season, really since COVID hit back in uh, 2000. And uh, it's because she has a, a, a disease, um, uh, COPD. And so very, very difficult. She passed away last night. And um, uh, just, just, just kind of heartbreaking news for us. She's loved so much, but I am so grateful because of the weakened condition that she is in, that she is now in full strength, being blessed right there in heaven with, uh, with our Lord. So you'll hear more about that. You just remember Julie and, and of course, the whole of the family, Manny and, and uh, Lulu and, and uh, uh, Sophie, everybody. Keep them in prayer if you would. Let's get to the Word. This morning I'm, I'm going to be in a passage of Scripture, kind of a uh, you know, single pat, ver, verse from, from 1 Corinthians, the uh, 16th chapter. But um, we're, we, we just heard from uh, David. How many of you appreciated David's met word up here? Wasn't that something? I, I, I was really impressed with that and blessed with that. I thought myself, just give an altar call and let's go home. I mean, that was really well, really, really well done. But uh, as he said, uh, our theme for the month is push. And that defined, if you think about it, literally is a vigorous or a determined attempt a vigorous or determined attempt. And I think that's what he described for us uh, the today. And after all, when you think about it, anything that we're able to accomplish in the world that's worth anything is going to take a vigorous and determined attempt. You're going to have to push a little bit to accomplish something. I, I could think of a couple of illustrations, one similar to what David talked about, but I was thinking about a truck stuck in the sand, you know, there's always uh, guys that like to go out and do some four-wheeling and have a good time, but, but if, a, if, if the back wheels begin to sink down into the uh, sand, uh, if you just hit the accelerator, it just keeps getting deeper and deeper. What it takes to get it moving again, get it operating again, is it's going to take some strong guys, plural on that, strong guys to get behind it and to kind of lift, put their back into it, and push uh, as hard as they can in order to get it moving forward. Another illustration maybe for the female side would be giving birth. Now, I'm not an expert on this in any way, shape, or form, but, but I've seen enough movies to know that when, 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 when the, the, the woman is getting ready to have the baby, all of a sudden, whoever's uh, uh, you know, over that, they begin to say, push, man, we need your help. Push right now. And so, you know, whatever that means, I'm not sure. But in order for birthing to happen, there has to be some pushing. And I remember pioneering our church, you know, when I first started the church, 1985. Way back then, the only people that were in our church were gang members, drug addicts, uh, people that we had picked up from the streets that, that, that we had won to the gospel. So they were excited. They were excited about Jesus and what, what he had meant to their life. But inevitably, they started to go through crises and trials like you know, everyone's going to. And so I developed kind of a statement that I used. I used it in sermons. I used it in counseling. And I would say, you need to push it through. And so that became something that the church would say to each other when they're going through a trial. Push it through, man. You can do that. Now, I can tell you, I did not always elicit positive responses from that. As a matter of fact, Many times people would look and say, that's easy for you to say. You, you don't understand what I'm going through. And I, I would always answer back, yep, you're right. I don't understand 
what you're going through. But one thing I know, if you're going to get to the other side, you're going to have to push it through. You're going to have to make a determined or vigorous attempt to overcome the problems that happen in your life. And so this morning, as we gather, we gather uh, not just as a group of individual people that decided to come to Alvarez Street this morning and gather. No, we gather this morning as the church of Jesus Christ. I could say it this way, the body of Christ. And so we've come together as his body, and that means something. That's not just casual words. That, that means that you and I have been entrusted with a role to play in our society. And uh, the Greek word for church, the Greek word ecclesia, literally called out once. We've been called out of darkness, and there's a purpose behind that. The Bible says that we are the hope of the world, that, that, that people are looking for hope, and so we're hope pushers, amen, and, and that we are the light. In, in the middle of the darkness, you and I, the body of Christ, are, are the light, and we're the salt of the earth, the Bible says other places. It says we're the ground and the pillar of truth, and of course, these are not just empty slogans that we've come up with somehow. This is what God says the body of Christ is. And so this morning, that means you, and that means me. We are the body of Christ. And so we know that we've been placed in the middle of a fallen world where evil and confusion are rampant, and it's a world that is sick with sin. It's drunk with perversion and lust for power. It's filled with greed and violence all around us. And that can't be okay with us. We can't just turn you know, our, 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 our face away from that because we're talking about the lives of people, people that are perishing. We've been called as the body of Christ to walk as Jesus walked on this earth, doing good, making a positive difference in the community in which God has placed us. Peter that famous apostle wrote these words. He says, you are a chosen people. Now, as I read this, I want you to kind of put yourself in that place because he's talking to you. You are a chosen individual. You're royal priests. You're a holy nation. You're God's own very possession. And as a result, you are to show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of darkness into the marvelous light. Uh, in Acts 26, it says, uh, we are to open their eyes so they can turn from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to the power of God. Uh, that is what we have been called to do. We're called to eradicate darkness in this generation. Now, this cannot and will not happen if a church is passive will not happen if a church is self-centered. In other words, the reason we exist is that we like each other, we enjoy coming together. It will require a vigorous and determined effort. It will take a push against the depravity of a cultural mindset that will bring light to the darkness, the lies that are permeated by our society. It will take a push against a culture that dares to call evil good and good evil. 
We are called to push in order to bring in the harvest that God has prepared for us. It will take something much deeper than a casual commitment to church attendance. It will require each one of us, somebody say that means me, each one of us taking our place, doing our part, using the spiritual giftings that God has given to you. And that's right, God has given you gifts that to be used for the kingdom. And we're to use that so that together as a corporate whole, we make the difference in the world that the, we are called to, to make. Amen. Jude, in the very first and only chapter of that book, it says, and you must show mercy to those whose faith is wavering. That's a calling. We're to rescue others by snatching them from the flames of judgment. We're to show mercy to still others, but to do so with great caution, hating the sins that contaminate their lives. We are to be engaged in this battle for the souls of men, and, and, and we are to overcome the encroachment of evil that's trying to dominate the lives of people. Now, the problem with that is some today in the church world have all been given up the battle. Honestly, many churches, I think, today, I look at it like it's just too, too far gone. There's so much darkness, so there's so much problems. I mean, they, after all, crime is so blatant. Law enforcement is not even able to, to work on the problem because judicially they just release people the moment that they're, they're captured for doing wrong. And they look at it and say, what's the use? I mean, society is so fractured, the wrong political lines. I mean, everybody's fighting against everybody. And, and if it's not politics, it's racial. Everything seems to be about racial divides. And, and, and we could, we look at it and say, well, the, you know, the, the, the influx of drugs, the, the opiates that are pouring over our border, that that fentanyl that's coming in and is becoming more and more dangerous, and it's coming in uh, uninterrupted by, by border security in our own nation. And you look out and you say that, that politics is full of greed. It's, it's full of corruption. The media just keeps throwing fear into the populace of our nation. If you watch a movie, it's promoting sin and violence, and you begin to wonder, are we too far gone? But God says this in Romans 5. He says, where sin increased, God's remarkable, gracious gift of grace, his unmerited favor has surpassed it and increased all the more. What a remarkable statement. If you just meditate on that for a moment, what that is actually saying is that Sin and that the depravity that we're seeing in our nation actually makes a way, provides an opportunity for our to reach out in darkness. Because when we're in darkness, you know it to be true. If someone just strikes a match, just that little bit of light makes a huge difference in the world in which we live. I believe that God's placed us here for a reason. Do you believe that? I hope you do, that you believe that God in his wisdom 
has put you and I in this city at this time, at this moment, with the depravity that's going on, and he's trusted us to push against evil and to bring in the last day harvest of souls. And I want to tell you something today, that won't be easy. Can I hear you say amen? It's going to take effort on our part. And, and, and like the truck, that's wheels are stuck in the sand. It's going to take a, a, a people pushing hard against it to get it moving again. It's going to take the same as the woman that's crying out, uh, push against that so that birthing can come out. If we're going to see birthing, if we're going to see growth and movement, uh, it's going to take a push. Can I hear you say amen to that? And so we believe that wherever there's opposition to the gospel, if we'll just look, we'll see opportunity. And all we have to do is push. The greater the battle, the greater the victory. You know, my Bible says, if we fight, we will win. We sing it, my God, he only knows how to triumph. He is undefeated. Every battle he has ever been in, he has won. And I want you to know that we are the body of Christ and there is nothing that can stand against us. We've been given everything that we need to fight, to push, and to win this world. He's given us the name that's above every other name. And so you and I can come into any circumstances and we can speak the name of Jesus. And the Bible says uh, that everyone's knee will bow to it. Uh, we've been given the blood of Jesus Christ. And so all we have to do uh, is argue the blood and the devil goes off to screaming uh, because of the power. We've been given authority over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt us. Uh, you and I have to understand if we'll fight this battle, we will win. In 1 Corinthians 15, the Bible says, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always pushing in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor will not be in vain. So as we enter 2022, I look out and I see opportunity. I believe as a church we're locked and loaded. I, I believe that there's vision in the house. And I believe that you and I are willing to sacrifice. We've proved it time and time again. And I believe we're motivated. I believe as a body that we understand what our responsibility is. So that means victory is ours for the taking. All we have to do is overcome lethargy and push. Now, as a text this morning, I've chosen a kind of obscure passage in the Bible, and it was penned by the Apostle Paul. And if you study the book of Acts, he was on a missionary trip. He was very busy, very, very regimented in where he was approaching it, but he ran into a situation where he actually began to change his plans. And he did that because he saw something that, uh, uh, that, that created him to say, there's a great opportunity for me here. Let me read that portion of Scripture, 1 Corinthians 16, 8 and 9. It says, but I will tarry 
in Ephesus until Pentecost, for a great and effective door has opened to me, and there, is, there are many adversaries. Now, when you read that portion of Scripture in the context, you understand what was happening is Paul was traveling with a purpose. He was a man with a purpose always. But he made a decision to change his plans simply because he said there was a door that had opened for him. Now, that word door is also translated opportunity. So opportunity is a subjective term. Now, what I mean by that is one man can see opportunity and another man, it, it just passes by, it doesn't see the same opportunity for them. And so not everyone in this particular case could see the opportunity that Paul is talking about and writing about. And he, because what he was going to do is he was going to delay his plans to go to Corinth and he was going to stay in Ephesus, tarry in Ephesus is the way the Bible says it, and he was going to become the pastor of a church there in Ephesus. Now, from all signs, that was not really uh, a great opportunity as most people would look at it, because Ephesus was a very small church. As a matter of fact, Scripture says it, 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 was, it entailed 12 men. So it's a very, uh, you could say, insignificant or small congregation, and it was in a very demonic city. It was in a city uh, where the Greek goddess Diana was worshipped, and, and, and the, the whole town was known for producing these little golden images, these idols to, for others to sell, and so the whole economy was based around idolatry. And so the book of Acts speaks that, that Paul, in this great door that he's talking about, is that he decides, I'm going to pastor these people. And so he went into the synagogue where he had gone in city after city with great results. And he went into the synagogue to preach there, and he presented the gospel, but the gospel message was rejected. The Bible declares it this way, that their hearts were hardened against anyone who spoke in the, about the name of Jesus. And so the Jewish population completely rejected the gospel. So most of the rest of the uh, uh, population was, um, um, uh, uh, was, was um, worship of the, 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 uh, the Greek goddess Diana. And the Bible says that the intensity of the opposition to the Apostle Paul was such that a riot began to happen, a riot so intense that Paul had to be literally rescued out of it. The Bible talks about then exorcists began to come in. And if you want some exciting reading, you can read it there in Acts 19 and 20 about the seven sons of Sceva that, that was casting out demons. And a kind of an interesting reading, but suffice to say that here's Paul with a small church where rejected by what his normal audience would be. He's, a riot developed because he's coming against the economy of the city. And so suffice to say 
that there was much cultural opposition and there was much to overcome just to develop this church. But Paul says, this is a great opportunity. He saw something. And so he began to continue to push against the opposition there in that city. Now, some might have said it would have been wiser for Paul just to move on. But Paul just wouldn't give up. <laughs> when he was rejected in the synagogue, interestingly, he took the gospel message to a secular theater, a place where people would gather to discuss issues. And the Bible says in Acts 19 and 9 that some were stubborn. They rejected his message and publicly speaking against the way. So Paul left the synagogue, the religious setting, and he took the believers with him, and then he held daily discussions at the lecture hall. And so he goes to a secular uh, facility where people would gather, and he begins to bring the gospel message there. He decided that if people were going to reject him in the synagogue or the religious institution, that he'd take his gospel message to the streets. And interestingly enough, the Bible says that Paul walked the streets, and as he walked the streets, just walking by people, and handkerchiefs were given to him, that God gave him an anointing, and miraculous signs and healings, wonders were happening as a result of that. And so he took the gospel to a secular marketplace. He took the gospel to the streets of the city. And the results of him pushing were one of victory, opportunity realized. In Acts chapter 19 and 10, it says that Paul continued this for two years. And the result was so that all who dwelt in Asia. Now, just think about that for a second. Asia is a lot bigger than that little city, that all who dwelt in Asia uh, heard the word of the Lord Jesus. Acts 19.20 says, so the message about the Lord spread widely, and it had a powerful effect. See, Paul saw something. He saw opportunity in a very dark place, and he realized, if I'll just push, I believe that God will give me the victory. Now, Paul used that same Greek word, uh, the uh, great open door, in some of his other letters in, in, in Galatians 6 and 10. He says, therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who are of the household of faith. Now, that word opportunity or open door that Paul talked about is a Greek word that means the limited time by the sovereign hand of God. In other words, Paul, as he spoke this, was saying, I see a unique time, a fleeting opportunity that God has given because of the idol worship, because of the rejection of the gospel message, because of the mnemonic influence in the city, because of the lack of receptiveness, it's a perfect time. It's a God-ordained time. It's ripe for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, that word really means a ripe time. It's subject to a month of time. And I, I kind of understood this because uh, I, I love orange juice. 
And uh, unfortunately, for most of the year, I'm forced to buy it from the store, try and find something that tastes like real orange juice without all the sugar. But I have a tree. I call my place Friedrich Farms. And uh, that tree, man, it produces, just a little tree, it produces a ton of oranges. And every year I come back in November for my little getaway uh, that Bonnie and I take, and I look out at that tree, and there those oranges are. And they're, they're turned orange, and, and some maybe a little bit of green still on them, but they, they've turned orange, and I get so excited. I say, okay, babe, I'm going out. I'll get the, get the oranges. And so I go out, and I bring in the oranges, and Bonnie's behind me saying, no, 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 no. They're not ready yet. You're not going to like that. I go, no, no, honey, look, 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 squeeze them. They're, they're, they're perfect. And I, I give them to Bonnie, and she cuts it open. She squeezes it. There's hardly any juice at all, and it's sour. Bonnie said, I told you, you have to wait. I'll tell you when they're ripe. And so when, as soon as it gets ripe, then I'm out there, and I'm telling you, the juice is sweet. You ought to buy it sometime. Friedrich Farms orange juice. It's like the best, best that there is. Amen. A ripe time, an opportune time. Now, I want you to think with me about today, right here in Orange County, because our society has become anti-gospel. We as a society have literally rejected Bible morality, and as a result of that, the moral climate of our community is degenerating. Would you agree with that? And of course, the result doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure it out. Everywhere you look, there are massive problems. It's obvious to most everybody, regardless of what politics or whatever, it's obvious to most people, we are on the wrong track looking for an amen. As a result of that, what's happening is many are beginning to ask questions. You'll hear people asking questions like, why are there so much increase in mental health issues? It just seems like there's more and more people that, you know, they've lost their marbles. We see it, the homelessness on the streets where, where people are wandering aimlessly, uh, living in, in impure, uh, dirty conditions. We hear people asking, why do young people not want to work? And so everywhere we go, we look and see signs now hiring. We have a lack of people that are willing to work. And so things are happening all throughout society at, at restaurants and, 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 and airlines and all kinds of different things simply because people are not willing to work. People are asking, why is it that people just get so angry so fast. I mean, it happens on airplanes where they're dragging people off knowing that there's no way to escape, that they're going to go to jail. Why is it on the streets of our city that just some minor traffic uh, uh, uncourtesy could end up in a gun battle right on the streets? Why is it that when a police officer stops someone and asks them to get out of their vehicle or show, there's resistance to that, and it turns into arguments instead of a simple traffic stop. Why is it that families are degenerating? And, 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 and why is there this confusion? It seems everywhere we go, people are talking about 
gender identity and all this confusion. Where did that come from in the first place? And why is it that everything seems to be about race? Doesn't matter what happens, it's a racial issue. And, 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 and it, you think, what is the, what's that? Or, or a po politics that, that get involved. Everything has to be political. Let me just say something. When people begin to ask those kind of questions, they're dissatisfied. Uh-huh. And what they're doing is they're looking for something to change. Are you tracking with me this morning? See, what was unthinkable just a few short years ago has become normalized. Now, instead of arresting those with drug paraphernalia, we give it away free. Want free needles? You want uh, uh, other drugs to help you? Instead of offering an alternative and trying to help them, we, we give it away. We, we, we throw money at a homeless issue. And government stands up and says, we've given billions of dollars. We're going to put another $20 billion to homelessness. When, when we all know that money does not solve mental health issues. Why is it that the schools openly promote anti-biblical uh, uh, values? Why is it that they feel free to usurp the authority of the parents to teach their children morality and they feel empowered to start teaching children things that the Bible says are evil? Why are they being slammed down their throat, same-sex marriage, gender identity, and all this, this stuff? Why is it that labeling Bible truths have somehow now become hate speech. How's that possible? Let me just ask you a question. Do you see a growing for, uh, frustration and resentment in the way things are going? Do you see it? I do. This opens the door for us. I was in went to the grocery store the other day, and you, you walk into the grocery store, and you know, Bonnie's saying, well, man, this price has really gone up. Man, look at these shelves. They're bare. There's, there's problems. And I, I was going out in the parking lot, and we were walking to the car. I'm watching people putting the, what they've purchased into their cars, and you can see not a lot of happy campers in the parking lot. And so an idea hit me. I began to think about it. You know, this is a great opportunity. What we need to do for an outreach is develop a way of going through the parking lots and interviewing people and asking people, what, what do you think the problem is here with the price increase or the lack of, lack of uh, 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 produce you know, that's available to, to us? What, what do you think about that? Because I think that if you begin to get them talking, dissatisfaction, looking for a change, I believe that that message can, come, can be shifted and say, do you think it has anything to do with a society that's turned its back on God? See, I believe that we are now living in a ripe time, a time that God has ordained for the gospel message to bring in a latter-day harvest because we are the church. We're the body of Christ, and it's up to us to get the job done. Amen. In Joel, listen to this carefully. Joel chapter 3, 
The Bible says, put in the sickle for the harvest is ripe. Come, go down for the winepress is full. The vats overflow. Why? For their wickedness is great. Multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision for the day of the Lord is near. In the valley of decision, Jesus says, four months between planting and harvest, I say, wake up, look around. The fields are right now ready for harvest. See, the harvest of souls is waiting for those that are not afraid to push a little bit. Now, the Bible speaks of a need for laborers, doesn't it? Put all the laborers into the harvest field, the Bible says. Now, I want you to notice it doesn't say labor. It says laborers, plural. In other words, to bring in a harvest, it does not just take one. It's not for the pastor. It's not for the pulpit to do all that work. It's, it's for laborers. How many laborers are here in the house of God this morning? Because the Bible says that there's laborers that are required to bring in the harvest, to till the ground, to plant the seed, so that at just the right moment, when that ripe time comes, that the harvest can be brought in. See, in order to bring in a harvest, there has to be planning and preparation. Now, I was raised on a, on a farm back in Ohio, and so I have seen this, experienced this firsthand. My first job, really, uh, that, 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 that where I got paid to do was working in the fields, bringing in the hay, bringing in the wheat at harvest time. And I can tell you that's hard work. At the end of that work, the harvest came in. That was payday for the farmers. They were excited about their, their crops being brought in. But that wasn't the end because they realized next year's coming. And so what happened is when the cold winds of winter began to blow and ice began to form, work in the field was replaced by work in the barns. There was a recognition, we've got to prepare for the harvest. And so the tractors and the equipment that was used to bring in the harvest, they needed repaired, they needed uh, a service that had to be taken care of. They had to be ready because when the thaw come, They'd have to have silos that were clean and ready to receive the harvest. And so as soon as the weather broke, they were ready. Out into the fields they would go. The manure was spread. The, the plowing was done. The furrows was laid. The seed went out. Uh, and all of it was done in preparation for that ripe time when the harvest was going to be there. Now this is what Jesus was speaking about to his disciples. Don't miss the harvest because you're not ready. Last week, or maybe the week before, on Wednesday, our first Wednesday service, and we, we did it this year, you know, beginning of the year, and so people moving around, a lot of things going on, but, but um, uh, Pastor Adam began to speak at that we called a crew night or volunteer night, leadership style night. And he began to talk about the definite plans we have to push into 2022. We, we talked about strategy, what the planning of the pastoral staff has, has become. We revamped our Saturday morning prayer meeting. 
So the hotline or the, 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 the prayer line that you saw up here today, and we changed the way we did that. There's, I can tell you uh, there's a lot of people that are coming on Saturday morning here and, of course, others that are joining us online, and it's really geared towards prayer. And I can tell you we've already seen miraculous efforts. Jesse right over here is one of those that we prayed for and now is here out of the hospital and back in church. Amen. Go ahead. Give God praise. Last Sunday, Pastor Adam talked about the expansion of our missions outreach to include Destiny Rescue, where the sex trafficking trade that has taken over much of our world, so many people suffering, that we are going to, one at a time, begin to rescue those that are trapped in that. We talked about this morning, David talked about a men's meeting. A men's meeting is not just for us, it's for us to bring is for us to reach out to our friends and the co-workers and bring them to a place where we share a meal and, and the Word of God. There's a women's breakfast coming right on the heels of that same thing where the women have the opportunity to a beautiful setting uh, to bring their friends in uh, and hear a gospel message. And then you received a card today for the perceived Bible conference. Did you get that? Hopefully you did. Save the date. Put it in your calendar because that's a prophetic. We've bringing in a, a guest speaker with a prophetic edge that has a testimony that is, is really amazing, uh, and, and, and that is all geared uh, so that as soon as that conference uh, concludes, we go into our big give or, or our heart for the house giving uh, so that we can finance what we're going to do in 2022, and that directly leads us uh, at that point into the Holy Week where we have the amphitheater, Good Friday gathering of worship uh, and communion. Uh, and the Word of God, and then the Easter celebration, and then that doesn't end. We stop and go right into the summer season. Mission trip to Ghana, West Africa. Mission trip to, to Saltillo and Monterey, Mexico. Mission trip to Albuquerque to help our church there. And the outreaches around here that we have planned are, 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 are on the table that we reach into our community here as well. Opportunities. We've been busy planning, preparing, praying. And the reason this theme that we're speaking is now is the time to push. Could you say that with me? Now. Let's start over again. Do it together. Now is the time to push. Do you believe that? Can I tell you, this is what Jesus did when he walked the earth. The Bible says he went about doing good. He went about speaking truth, the gospel message. He went about bringing healing and bringing deliverance and hope. All of that was done in a very hostile environment to the gospel but it was all done to prepare his disciples to bring in a harvest. That is what I'm speaking to us about this morning in the house of God, that there's an opportunity set before us. Now, I do not deny that there are adversaries. It's the reason I chose the text that I did this morning. There are many adversaries. It's not an easy thing that we're talking about. But I believe that where sin abounds, the grace of God superabounds. Yeah. 
And every place where darkness is, God says, I want you to bring light. Isaiah 60, arise and shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, darkness will cover the earth, and deep darkness the people, but the Lord will arise over you, and his glory will be seen upon you, and the Gentiles will begin to come to the light. Jesus said, four months. And then the harvest, no, no, right now the harvest is ready. Now this year, the reason we begin this series push is we can no longer be ambivalent to our God-given mission. Looking for an amen there. We, every one of us, it, we are going to have to push against a, a society that is sin-sick. We are hurting. Watch it on the faces of people. Listen to their conversations. They're confused. They're, they're, they're upset. They're, they're, they're not understanding why this is happening to us. Where darkness abounds, a little bit of light makes a big difference. And what we're looking for is every one of us, the body of Christ, to go about doing good to bring hope wherever we go, to speak the gospel message. We need to be hope pushers. Can I hear you say amen? We need to be redemption pushers. We've got to be word of God pushers. We, we've got to go into the highways and the byways, the theaters uh, as Paul did, and also the streets to bring the gospel message because folks, I'm telling you, unless we push, we'll be stuck in the sand. If we just let the motor, the, 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 the pastor to do it, we keep spinning those wheels. It keeps getting deeper and deeper into a hole. We need people to get up and get things on track. Men that, and women that will put their back to that vehicle and lift it and begin to push backwards with all their mark, a hard, concerted effort to do something. We have to be like the woman who said, push. If you want this child to come, push. You've got to be a part of that. We have to get together, and we've got to work to bring the gospel message. You have been given a part in that. You say, well, no, not me. I'm just kind of sitting here as a visitor. No, no. You, you, you're missing what I'm saying. You have been given a part in that. You say, well, I don't even understand how that's possible. Well, this is what the Bible says. If any man becomes in Christ, gives his life to Christ, they're new creature. And the Bible goes on to say, and has been given a ministry. So you and I all have been given ministry. We have a part to play. Now what is that part? It's going to be different for each one of us. I understand that. Not everyone is going to preach. But I am saying that there's, every one of us has a part to play. Amen? What's your part? How will you push? Let me ask you a question. Are you into this thing? Are we going to push in 2022? Are we? Are we? Are we? Oh, thank you, Jesus. Stand to your feet with me, would you? All over this auditorium, just stand in the presence of the Lord. Lord, we're so grateful to you for redemption, the story of redemption. Lord, thank you that it's right here this morning in our house as we saw what you've done 
for Richard and Hilda. Restoring a family. We thank you for that, Lord. But God, there's so many. Lord, in the streets of our city, God, that seem hopeless, seem lost. So many that are fearful, not understanding what's happening in our society. But God, we stand as your church. Yes? Yes? We stand as your church. But we are the body of Christ. We recognize it's now up to us to get the job done. So, Father, today we set aside selfless, self, selfishness. We set aside what we want. Father, we determine to push. Lord, we'll not be okay with what's happening. We're going to fight. Now, I'd like to do something this morning. I'd, I'd like for us to come together in the altar of our church. I'd like to, if you'd come out of your seats and, and come and stand. And, and the reason that I would like you to do that is because united, we can make a difference. If it's just going to be at a church service, that's all it's going to be, someone that is going to preach the message. If that's all it is, we're not going to bring in the harvest. We might get a little here, there, and everywhere else. Just come forward a little bit, if you would. Yes, yeah, so that people can come in from the aisles. Thank you. Appreciate that. It's going to take you. What's your part? How will you contribute? We, we have planned. We have plotted. We have strategized. We're ready to make a difference in our world, 2022. And I'm telling you right now, it's dark out there, but the gospel brings light. And now you and I are tasked by God. And so, would you join hands? Just, just, just join hands with across this auditorium. Pray this prayer with me. Would you do that? Say, Lord, we come to the house of God this morning as the body of Christ. That's not a light saying. If we're to take your place. But God, you said you would empower us. And we have determined to push. We ask you help us, Lord, to bring in the harvest this year. In Jesus' name. Just in the presence of the Lord, would you worship Him? Yes. Would you worship Him? Would you take a moment just to worship Him? We're here for Jesus this morning. Lift your hearts. I wonder if this morning you need to make a decision for Jesus Christ. Maybe you've never, ever received the Lord. Last Sunday, in this altar, we had three people come forward for salvation. 
And on Wednesday night, they were not only in the midweek service, but they brought their whole family with them to the midweek service. That's the way the gospel message works, folks. All we have to do is push a little bit. And so this morning, if you've come into the house of the Lord and you've never made a decision to ask Jesus Christ to come into your heart to forgive you of your sins and give you a brand new start at life, I wonder if you wouldn't acknowledge that this morning with an upraised hand all over this assembly, just with an upraised hand all over. There be one. Sometimes I can't see all the way to the back, but if that's you, yes, right here, yes, yes. Alma, that's all as a result of a, hearing your brother preach the gospel that you'd never met. So today we want you it's just kind of push yourself in here for it. Yeah, come on, come on. Everyone that'd like to, to just come up here, just, just stand here for a second. Yeah, yeah, thanks. So here's what the Bible says, that if you believe that Jesus died for your sins, do you believe that? Do you believe that he rose again so that he could give you new life? Yeah. So if you believe that in your heart and you confess that with your mouth, the Bible says you will be saved. It doesn't say that we deserve it necessarily. It just simply says that He forgives us of our sins and He gives us a new start. And so, if you believe that in your heart, I want you now to confess it with your mouth and pray with me and say, Jesus, here I am. I ask you to come into my life. Forgive me of my sin and give me a brand new start. I believe you're the Son of God, my Lord and my Savior in Jesus name and so Father over these precious ones for Alma Lord I'm asking you in a supernatural way to change her Lord from the inside reach down Lord and touch her fill her with hope and promise I pray over this young man God good your goodness and grace your, your, your purpose Lord to be fulfilled in their lives Father, bring them into the presence, Lord, right now. Let them never walk away from you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. I think we ought to give God praise. Yeah, 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 yeah. Thank you, Lord. Sing with our team, would Come you? On. Come awaken your people. Come awaken the city. Sing it out. God of revival, pour it out, pour it out. Make it a prayer. Every stronghold will crumble. I hear the chains hit the ground. Oh yeah. God of revival, pour it out, pour it out, pour it out. Sing it. Come awaken your people. Come awaken the city.
appreciate that message today. Tell you what, I found that incredibly encouraging because when you look at today's world and you look at the way things are, just like Pastor, Pastor Carl was saying, you know, you could look at it in, in a negative way, but the truth is it's a positive. The truth is it's ripe, it's ready. And it's the time for us to push as a church. It's exactly what we're gonna do. I'm so grateful for that message this morning. Aren't you grateful for that message? Man, what a tremendous, tremendous time. Let's keep, let's keep that in our minds as we move forward. This is, this is a great week to, to invite someone to church. We're moving into some really exciting times as a church. And I wanna be a part of it. I'm excited to be a part of it. And the thing is, I want as many people to join along as possible. And the only way that works is that we, the people of God, bring them in. It's our, it's our job, it's our responsibility. This is what Christ has called us to do. It's the reason why we're here. And so we wanna do that together and we're going to do it. God bless you as you go today, uh, as you go about your week. Uh, maybe keep, keep elevating your prayers as we're surging forward into this new year. But we love you, thanks for joining with us today. God bless you, take care.